from 6 to 7, which still feels like midnight outside. It's depressing. We were driving over here and I was like, it's only 5.30 and it's going to keep getting worse, right? Does anybody know like the worse it gets? Like, doesn't it just creep into 4.30? 2.30? No. I, I was telling the boys I thought it was 4.30 feels, yeah, dark. Like, at solstice or whatever, winter solstice. Uh, anyway, thanks for showing up tonight to More to Life. I'm going to talk about a topic that I've been dealing with lately in my life. Uh, I'm reading this book called Alone Together. It was put out in 2010, but it's still staggering to read it from 2010 till now and all the advancements that have still taken place. Why we expect more from technology and less from each other. It's crazy. This book is crazy. And she's like devoted her life to the study of technology and kind of the relationship of technology between humanity and technology. And she started writing back in, I think, the 90s. And her first book was very optimistic. And it was like, technology, this is awesome, this is crazy. And then quickly it dove into the virtual world and she was spending time with people who had three virtual lives and they preferred those lives to like real life. And then she wrote another book, and this is, I think, number four, perhaps? I'm sure there's going to be another one coming out. But this book is pretty fun and pretty interesting, and it's been making me look at the relationships in my life. And not too long ago, I actually talked here on Immortal Life Night about Japan and their sex crisis, the thing that's like kind of staggering. Their, their birth rate is declining, people aren't getting married, and people aren't having relationships. Like, people are actually saying the relationships are so messy, um, so risky, so hurtful, um, so uncertain, that they're preferring not to engage and have human interaction, um, and instead looking towards technology a lot, to be honest. Um, enters like AI and virtual assistants who are programmed to act like they know you, and to interact with you, and kind of give you this illusion of companionship and friendship, but it doesn't really deliver. And it leaves people feeling like they want more. You're kind of like frustrated. But again, the ease of it, the convenience of it, oh my God, like, is like astounding. So people kind of lean that direction. Um, I went through high school and I didn't really have solid relationships with people. It was interesting. I always wanted it, but I didn't really have it. I had it with my family. I didn't have it with friends, necessarily. Always kind of craving it, always looking for it, on the hunt, out there trying to get it. Went to college and found myself quickly in good relationships with like six solid guys. And I have hung on to those relationships since college. You get out of college and the real world sets in and you find that people don't have the kind of time that you had back in college, right? And you also have these other responsibilities that like kind of vie for your attention, things that come in. It's not a bad thing. It's just the amount of depth that I could attain in a year at college takes like five years outside of college. And it's not as focused and it's spread over the span of time. So it begins to get a little bit more difficult. Um, needless to say, if you have like significant others, if you have children, like it just 
kind of complicates the whole situation of getting to know someone. And so in my life right now, I've been looking at the fact that I am much more willing now at the age of 39 to throw in the towel on interaction and relationships with people than I ever have been before. And that blows my mind. Because that's not who I am. Not even close. But I find myself much more willing to just give up and say, no, I'm not going to pursue that person. Nope, I'm not going to have that relationship. I'm just going to settle for what's like right here. And it's kind of honestly the default and should be easy, but it's still not even easy, right? I'm just going to like connect the people under my roof. <laughs> and that sometimes is hard. What in the world is going on and how am I in this place? I just don't get it. I don't get it. Phil was the guy who wanted to connect with like everybody. And I know you can't do that, right? You can't spread yourself that thin. But I was willing to connect with so many people and wanted to forge significant, genuine relationships. Now, overall, from what I can tell in my life, what I can read about and what I can see happening in other people's lives around me, is that this kind of connection, this kind of engagement, this kind of interaction, these kind of relationships seem to be on the decline. And I'm not going to be a doomsdayer kind of guy here tonight, but they're declining. If I had to say, like, how many people I talk to over the course of a year who say, I just don't have the relationships that I want to have in my life, it's hard to find friends. It's hard to stay connected. And we have all this great technology that's telling us it will connect us. But somehow we're not feeling it. It doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel authentic. And things are getting more and more difficult. And we say, no, I will not have the mess. I will not have the nuisance. I will not put forth the effort. I'm much more willing to throw in the towel. That's kind of concerning. And that's what I can see. And so that makes me want to talk about what I'm going to talk about tonight. The interaction and relationship that I want to talk about tonight, in my opinion, is one of the hardest. And if this is really on the deep, if this is really diminishing, if this is really fading and kind of slipping through our fingers, as we know, this is going to be the first interaction to go. This will be the one that like we look at and it's like in a museum somewhere. We're like, oh, people used to do that. Um, like we, we won't even realize it. So I'm gonna play a music video for you tonight. Um, not sure if you're gonna like the kind of music. It's all right. Um, I always kind of throw that out there because I listen to a wide array of music. And I want you to pay attention to the relationship that's happening in this video. And this is by a guy named Macklemore. He's a rapper. And if you don't know Macklemore's story, you should go check it out sometime. Um, he kind of did the whole rock bottom thing, you know, where he's in the music industry and he spends all of his money on this, that, and the other. It kind of hits rock bottom and then bounces back and goes through rehab and is now like on his new journey, his new path. But this is what he decided to do for his 100-year-old grandmother on her birthday. I used to do a talk with students, and I'm gonna title this talk the same, 
which is just called the age gap crap. The age gap crap. And when I'm talking about like the interaction and the relationship that I think is perhaps the hardest, it's that. In all my work with students, um, we always worried about the oldest students of a group. The oldest students of a group felt like they were too old to be a part of the group. I actually had high school students approach me, and here's what they said. They were going to become juniors, and there were some freshmen coming up. And this group of juniors said, Phil, can we like create another group? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, one just for juniors and seniors? And I was like, no. Like, that's so stupid. Like, I mean, we didn't do that when you were freshmen, did we? You know what I mean? But those students get older, and they have this tendency to look back and not want to hang out with these younger students. This happened all the time when I worked with students. And what I found out was, when you're younger, you're almost always looking forward. You're almost always looking forward. I once had this, um, I took students to this talk, and this, this person was standing up front, and they were talking about pain and deep hurt within yourselves. And like, when was the time that you felt that kind of pain? When was the time when you felt like a nail was put into your heart? And I was sitting with these guys who I barely knew, students, and they were all in sixth grade. Sixth grade boys, and this guy up front is like trying to talk about pain, you know what I mean? And, and my sixth grade guys are sitting there, and they're just like, Unmoved, you know what I mean? Like normal sixth grade dudes. And then we busted off and we talked in a smaller group and I told them a story. And then one by one, each of these sixth grade guys just started to kind of cry a little bit. And they all told a very similar story. They all had an older brother. And their older brother was in high school. And they used to play with their older brother. They used to hang out with their older brother. They used to feel connected to their older brother, but now they didn't. And that's the story that they told me that felt like a nail in their heart. It's very interesting, because they're looking toward being older, and they would love to hang out with someone older, but oftentimes, when we get over here, we still feel younger, so we still keep looking older, <laughs> and we forget to look back this direction. This direction. The older to the younger. Many of what, like the situations and interactions I witnessed being a struggle and kind of just a hardship and something to overcome was simply because of age. Simply because of age. It seemed really easy to hang out with people who were like close in age to you, and even sometimes people that were older than you, but to go the other direction became like this really difficult thing for all sorts of reasons. I don't know if you guys, it's been a while for some of you, I get it, um, but I have grade school students, and at Breckenridge Elementary, they have this thing called the buddy system. It's pretty cool. What happens is fifth graders get paired up with kindergarten students. Right? And they like have lunch together once a week, the fifth grader and the kindergarten. 
They go out on the playground and they play together on the playground. They have some class time that overlaps. What's really cool is when we fast forward to the end of the year, the fifth graders show up to the kindergartner's graduation. The kindergartners can show up to the fifth graders' graduation. It's this like intentional overlap to nudge those older students to look backward and have this kind of interaction and create this relationship. Sometimes we need the nudge to initiate it or to take the step to make it happen. Now, I want to give you just a quick illustration of this because I, when, when Silas was back, Silas was in fifth grade, and I knew that in April, actually May, April-ish May of fifth grade year, they have the talk at school, right? The puberty talk comes up, fifth grade. And I knew it was coming. And so I was planning a trip for Silas and I to go away for a weekend before that talk happens because I felt like he probably needs to hear this come out of my mouth before these other people talk, right? Like this needs to happen. And so we did this. And before the trip came, I met and had lunch with a dad, another father. And I told him what I was going to do and how excited I was for it. I was ridiculously excited, probably too much. Uh, because, like, I had spoken with so many other students about this kind of stuff, and that was my own kid. I was like, this is going to be cool. It was sort of cool. But um, there were some difficult parts there. But we, I met this other father for lunch, and I was telling him what was happening, and he was like, really? You're in, he's fifth grade, you know? And I was like, yeah, but they're going to talk about it. Like, at school. Come on. Like, and I'm his dad. He's like, yeah. And then he stopped and he goes, yeah, I haven't talked about that with my son yet. His son was in eighth grade. Probably a little late. <laughs> but he was in eighth grade. And I said, here's my thing. Why haven't you talked with your son about this? This is why I'm telling you this story. He looked at me and he said, well, he just hasn't brought it up with me yet. <laughs> right? I don't know. Like, he just hasn't talked about it with me yet. And I looked at him like, dude, he's not going to. Like, it's not going to happen. He, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, it might later on. But, I mean, we've all been there, you know. And so sometimes I, I was like, we get to be the adult. We get to initiate the awkward conversation, the hard thing. We get to take that blow. We get to burden that. And we get to be the wiser, more mature person in the equation. And so we actually have to act like it, right? Like we have to do that piece. We get to do that. It's on us. It's the older initiating back with the younger. We have to initiate. We have to make the first move. We have to get over ourselves sometimes. When I worked with students, one of the hardest things in the world was getting adult leaders to work with students. Super tough. Super tough. They wanted to hang out with each other. They wanted to like do things. It was hard work showing an adult that you should hang out with the student. I got all kinds of things, man. Dude, I don't like the way they talk. OK, great. I don't like their music. Like, they have way too much energy. <laughs> you know, all of these things kept coming your way for, like, why they can't hang out 
with someone younger. All of these differences, and I get it. I totally get it. It's not easy hanging out with someone who's a lot different, like very different from me. Like to pull out a goofy analogy though, I would just say there's this, there's this verse in the Bible that talks about iron sharpening iron. And I brought something else for you. Like it's the whole idea that like you can actually smooth out rough edges. I collected these stones a long time ago from like a river. And I was like, this is so cool. It was like a river bed and like went really low. And I found this one. This one's really sweet. I mean, it's like all rounded and you can tell it's just sitting like this forever in this river. I mean, it wasn't like this, <laughs> you know, like it was boom, just flat down. I found this one that had been really smoothed out like all around and had these, like, you can tell it was jagged and it had like a real crazy shape to it, but all these rounded edges. And then I found this one, which Lincoln saw today and he's like, is that an egg? Yeah. I was like, no, it's just the roundest, coolest rock ever that I pulled out of this riverbed. Like, it's amazing. I get so excited about this kind of stuff. And I think about, like, the rough edges that we all have in every stage of our lives. Like, regardless of how old you are or where you're at. And I think about the relationships that we can engage with one another and the ways that we can smooth each other out. And I think one of the biggest, most important relationships that I see waning, that I see like as a, like on threat level is like the age gap ones. And there's so much magic in those relationships. There's so much that can like be passed on and so much that can like be experienced from one to another in those types of relationships. Just the other day, I'm sitting in my real estate office and I am engaging conversation with people that are probably the polar opposite of me. <laughs> Hands down, polar opposite. And I mean on every kind of level possible. Like, and we were having this conversation. And we are also separated by about 20 years. Easy. And it's three of us. And I'm young guy, <coughs> and they're like 20 years above me, and they're pretty close in character and personality and political views and everything like that. And I'm just sitting there and I'm loving this conversation. And other people in the office are probably like, shut up, because we're like <laughs> laughing and things and just going back and forth and he's saying stuff that he thinks will like rile me up and it doesn't. And like, we're just going back and forth. And then we started talking like real estate stories and I was like, oh man, I feel beat up. and blah, 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 and then he starts going, and he goes, oh, you don't know anything yet. And then he starts giving me stories. I was cracking up. This guy, as a real estate broker, has been asked by his clients to be a sperm donor. Oh. <laughs> Did you see that one coming? None of you saw that one coming. Right? They were like, so would you? And he's like, no. So there was that one. I was loving these stories. There was another one where he was selling a house that was haunted. And they swore it was haunted, so he went up there and stayed a night in this place by himself, and he said it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like, he was like, oh my gosh. So, that was another good one. And then he told me about, like, you know, pending threats of lawsuits, so much stuff. But I'm sitting there, and just the interaction and the conversation. I'm telling you what, like, I felt pretty good after, after I left the office that day. And I was continuing to think about this topic and running it over in my head and, and, and all of these things. And I want you to know that when I'm talking about 
the possibility of overcoming an age gap, I want you to know that this is something insanely spiritual. Insanely spiritual. Across religions, I don't know if you've ever picked up on themes, but one of the themes across religion is that you need to make sure that you don't overlook children. It comes up time and time again. Because a lot of times children are, they're undervalued and they're overlooked. And I think it's just referring to the fact that we need to make sure that we look back and that we engage and that we have that interaction and we make it happen. And it's reminding you that, hey, you're the old person. I don't care what stage you're at, you're the old person. You're the one who can step up and initiate and start the conversation and make it happen. Because here's the deal, if you're waiting for it to start, it might never happen. It might never happen. Like, I'm just going to say it, like, if I am the dad in this equation and I'm just waiting for Lincoln to take me out to breakfast, <laughs> seriously, I mean, come on. I told my mom today on the phone, I'm like, so you're... And, and I, tread, I tread lightly here, because I can see some of your faces. You're like, Phil, you're trying to put a guilt trip on a lot of us here. What about? We're going to get to the what about. It's coming. But I was talking with my mom, and I'm like, so, yes, you're the grandparent, and I'm the kid who has three boys with sports schedules and all of this, and you're looking at retirement, you've got a lot of time on your Sometimes it does take an older person initiating that. I'm going to get to the what about, because some of you are like, eh, 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 but we're going to get there. I want you to stick with that analogy. I want you to think about the fact that you need to look back and you need to initiate that kind of a relationship. Um, I feel like age is like this huge hurdle, huge hurdle to overcome so many instances in life it's just this big obstacle but i believe that this kind of overlap is something much needed and like we can't neglect to do it we can't neglect to take action we can't refuse to see it and how serious it could be for our lives so my advice to you tonight is to start somewhere and to start sometime <laughs> you know and in rage against the machine lyrics what better place than here a better time than now like just Go for it. You can look for programs. You can look for opportunities. And if that program or opportunity doesn't exist, I say you create it. And it only has to be one person. I'm not talking like how everybody tries to view the world sometimes now. It's like you've got to save the world. I'm talking about one person that you can make a difference in their life by initiating that kind of a relationship with them. You can't miss out on the life that you could discover in that sort of a relationship, the life that you could give, the life that you could receive, the depth of relationship that could possibly found that could possibly be found nowhere else. Nowhere else. When I grew up, I was a dedicated churchgoer. And there was this woman at my church. Her name was Helen Bates. Helen Bates was older. A lot older, like when I was in high school and like middle school, knowing her in my church, she was a lot older. And she, I only saw her on Sundays. I only saw her on Sundays. 
Shortly after I went to college, I got a letter in the mail from Helen Bates. The letter was telling me about her day and her life. And then she just kind of finished up and said that she's praying for me and she's so excited for the opportunity for me to be in college. Signed Helen Bates. She didn't ask anything of me. She didn't ask me to write back. Nothing like that. A few more months goes by, I get another letter from Helen Bates. She's telling me about her day. She's telling me that she's officially become a shut-in. She doesn't leave her house anymore. She tells me that she's praying for me. And that she hopes college will deliver everything. And she asks me if I have any prayer requests. Like, this was Helen Bates throughout my college career. Just a person older than me, writing me letters, <laughs> you know? And like, so every time I went back, I made sure I found Helen Bates and I gave her a big hug. And I remember going back over holiday breaks and we would sing, we would get together and sing carols and walk to people's houses. And she was one of the houses we always went to. And she would come out on the front porch and she would stay in there and listen to us sing the songs. I tell that story because I feel like sometimes people are like, well, what can I do? How much time do I have? Um, Phil, you're telling me I need to like start this relationship or, or do something. I don't have that kind of space. I don't have that kind of time. I can't put forth that kind of effort. It could look all sorts of ways. It could look all sorts of ways. What I would encourage you to do is just not to give up on it. Don't throw the towel in on this one. This is an easy relationship and interaction to let go of in our culture. So easy. And now we're going to get to the what about. Because <clears throat> if I'm honest with this, you're this pirate dude in the center. Right? And there's always someone older than you, and there's always someone younger than you. And you've honestly got to be looking both directions. That's what Macklemore was doing. Macklemore was looking to establish a relationship with someone older to continue that interaction, to keep that going. And sometimes it takes you looking in both directions. I don't want to always drop it on the older person. I think sometimes it does come down to that. If you're going to call yourself wiser and older and more mature, you're going to have to act like it. But you're also going to need to step out and look for the people who are older than you that you can interact with and engage and experience that kind of relationship there. I do have a story for you, and you might have already heard it, but I feel like both sides of this equation, and even like the person in the middle, there's this line from a Rise Against song that I love, and it says, if you forget my name, I'll forget it too. And I feel like so many times, both sides of this equation can start to feel invisible. And that's why it's so important for us to keep these relationships going for you to figure out what it means to honor the sacred person. That person's identity, their worth, their value. What does it mean to look at them and call them by name and to bring that out of them, older and younger? It's really important. I had people do it for me all my life. And I kind of have taken that up. One of the things I get most excited about is when I hear students and they call me or they email me or they meet back up with me and they say, I need you to fill out this recommendation form. 
I'm going to be working with the Boys and Girls Club. And I'm like, sick. Like, give it to me now. You know what I mean? Or when I hear about the things that they do when they're working with people who are older than them. And they're like stepping up. I get so excited to know that they're continuing that kind of model to keep that interaction and that energy going. Now, you might have heard this before. I have to read it again. This is hands down my favorite, my favorite story that talks about this kind of engagement, this kind of interaction, connection, and relationship. Um, it's from a book called The Gutter. I apologize if I get teary. I'm going to do my best to just stay smiling and giggling. All right. Um, Marie was in her late 70s and living in her retirement home when I met her. Born and raised in the Bronx, New York, she had only come out to California at the insistence of her son. She and her husband were too old to care for one another anymore, so out they'd come to Fullerton to live with their youngest. Just a week into their arrival, Marie had a stroke while walking up the stairs, blacking out and tumbling all the way down to land to the top of the first floor. She spent some time in the hospital, and when she'd finally healed, she discovered that her son wasn't as ready for the responsibility as he'd thought and had secured living quarters for her in a nursing home. She was wheelchair-bound but determined to walk again, and she didn't understand his reasoning. Nevertheless, she had to accept it, and that's how she found herself at Acacia Villa Retirement Home. It was a nice place, but Marie hated it immediately. She thought it was full of a bunch of loonies and wanted nothing to do with life among the residents. Unsure of what to do with the remainder of her life and time, and figuring she had nothing to lose, she began to smoke like a champ. <laughs> I love it! Oh. Now, Marie loved to smoke. But this time, smoking gave her something to do, and it was a reminder of her life before she moved to California. But there was a catch. Marie wasn't allowed to smoke inside the building. So in a fit of rage, she informed the nurses that she would eat and sleep inside, but other than that, she was going to live outside on the sidewalk where she did smoke. Everyone thought she was joking, but Marie literally meant every word, and soon the staff found out how serious she was. For the next six months, Marie's daily routine looked like this. Out of bed around 6.30 a.m., then breakfast, then off to the sidewalk for the rest of the day. Rain or shine, it didn't matter to her, sometimes she didn't even go inside for lunch. The sidewalk was located at a busy intersection, and soon Marie, tired of passively watching the cars go by, so she started waving at them. Now, when the retirement home staff saw her waving to every car that went by, they naturally assumed she'd just lost her mind. Yeah. But the reality, as Marie puts it, was that she would go nuts if she stayed inside all day. In quotes, I'm like a stinking piece of cheese, she once told me. No one comes to see me or cares if I'm alive. So if I can brighten up someone else's day by waving, then I guess that's why I'm here. She said, I wouldn't wish my life upon anyone, Marie always said. And looking at her life, I could see why. She spent most of it in a loveless marriage to a gambling addict. Her mother had passed away when she was three. She had no relationship to speak of with her five children. Her life had been one long, hard, lonely road. And while she never wanted others to experience her life, she now had a desire to use it so others could gain. And so she used what was literally right in front of her, her hand and oncoming traffic. It wasn't long before Marie was a big hit in the town. Motorists would honk as they drove to school, work, or wherever they were going. She would greet thousands of cars a week with a wave. And the majority of them would return the gesture with a honk. As Marie waved to more and more people, her notoriety grew 
until she was unofficially christened the new Fullerton Town Greeter. One day, I was driving down Chapman Avenue, and I'll never forget seeing Marie on the side of the road waving at me. I knew right away this was my opportunity. I had seen this lady there before. How could I have missed her sitting right there on the side of the road? But this particular day, it was like it was the first day. I just knew I needed to stop and to talk to her. That move changed my life forever. I never knew stopping that one day would turn into a three-year relationship with a lady in her late 70s who would eventually become closer than family. And then he includes some excerpts, you know, like of their relationship and things that went on. He talks about like how he bought her a TV like, and he visited her on Thanksgiving and about how she, like, would always, like, steal bananas from the buffet lunch table and hide them under her wheelchair for him. And, like, all these different things that they went through together. And he wrote this letter. I'm not going to read it. Um, and, he, and then he talks about, like, when he got engaged and when he went to her and all this kind of stuff. And then, of course, he does talk about when she passed away. Um... And he said, uh, he said, I knew how much Marie meant to me, but I didn't know how much her simple act of waving meant to so many people. The retirement home left a wheelchair on the side of the road for a week. And after just those seven days, it was completely obscured by all the flowers, letters, balloons, and other items people from the town had brought. I visited the chair several times that week and watched people come by to drop off things and engage this moment. As I watched these people stop by, I realized how much they'd missed by not really knowing Marie. If only they would have stopped their cars a week or a year earlier, that's when Marie really needed them. But most of them were all too busy to take a minute out of their busy schedules and spend it with this great lady. It's interesting to me how many times I've heard people say with a relationship that they're wasting time it's an interesting phrase. I think I've used it way too many times in life. And usually it comes down to these relationships when I enter into it and I feel like not much is happening or not much is going on. Or it's just not kind of meeting what I need at the moment, you know? And so like I say, it's like a waste of my time. I would encourage you do this whole process of looking older, looking younger, and seeing just exactly like, who could I connect with that isn't my age? I think you have a lot to share. I think you have a lot to give. And I think too many times, we just don't do it. We just don't take action. It's like for this guy, like all he did was press the brake pedal and talk. And it started something. And it went now, I'm a dad, and I'm not cool to my kids. It's just the truth. Like, we all hit that point. I've dealt with leaders who said, yeah, but like, these, these people that are younger than me, they just don't want to hang out with me. I get it. I get it. I would just encourage you to try with someone younger than you. And I don't know what it looks like. It could look just like writing a letter. My mom... I talked with her briefly on the phone today, and she said, ooh, it's so funny, because I'll call my parents, and they're like, so what are you going to talk about tonight? I usually have that phone call on Wednesday. And so I told them, well, here's what I'm thinking, and 
And I'm, I'm gonna go maybe this direction. I'm gonna play around with this idea. I don't know. I don't want people to feel beat up. I don't wanna like offend anybody. You know, I still do that whole thing. And my mom goes, oh, it's so important though. That whole idea. My dad to this day, so the guy's approaching 70, right? I'm 39, he's 69. That's how I keep it straight. We've got a 30 year difference. And my mom goes, it's just like your dad. He hangs out with the teens at our church. And they don't want him around. You know what I mean? My mom's doing, you know, she's, like, she's like, he's old. And I'm like, no, it's so good. It's so good. Like he always, he always tells me stories of some kid that talked to him about what they were going through and the story he shared and what they said back. You know what I mean? Like these are good relationships. Relationships that we need to see more because I feel like these are the first ones to go. It's the first ones to go. Like, I mean, we're dealing with people who can't connect with people under their own roof. Me included. You know? And so, like, we have to kind of figure out how, how to exactly go about maintaining these relationships, initiating them, cultivating them, making them click, making sure they're still there. Because it's really, really important. I think they're magical, and I think things happen that couldn't happen otherwise because of those relationships. Reading those letters from Helen Bates, I can't stand up here and talk about it without crying. Obviously, it meant something to me. You never know the impact that you'll have by a letter, by a phone call, by a lunch. Who knows what it is? Those brokers talking with me in the office lifted me that day. I was like, well, I've never been asked to be a sperm donor. I got that to look forward to. You know, like, I mean, there are just so many cool stories and experiences we can have when we don't neglect looking above us and looking below us for those kind of relationships. And when we stay so close to home with like just the people that are so much like us, or the people that are in the same stage as us, or the people that are the same age as us, we're missing out. We're missing out. So as a father, I'm going to desperately try to connect to my kids who think I'm uncool. I'm going to do it. They're younger than me. It's worth it. I'll be the uncool guy. I've been looking forward to that, obviously, in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, you can just do whatever you want. It's pretty cool. <laughs> on its own separate level. I can use cool slang words like woke. And I don't know what it means, but I can use it. It's a good thing, and I want to encourage you guys just to do it. To look older, to look younger, to kind of try and make that happen however possible. However possible. Um, if you want the full story, I'm probably going to email out the full story because I want people to read it. I think it's really cool. Uh, I just didn't want to read too much of it. But he goes on to say at the end, just one last thing. He said, uh, he, he said, uh, here we go. The day, the day I met Maria, I drove down Chapman Boulevard like every other day. But as I honked and waved at her, I knew I had to do more. I didn't hear a voice from God telling me to stop my car. I just knew waving and honking wasn't going to cut it. She needed far more than a loud noise. She needed a relationship. 
My first step that day was getting out of my car, shutting the door, and walking over to meet the lady who would one day refer to me as her boy. I easily could have missed the opportunity given to me that day to make a difference. Marie took action, and it was just a simple wave. I took action, and it was just a simple push of the brake pedal. Action isn't complicated, but it can have a powerful reaction that lasts and lasts. She affected a city with a simple wave of her hand. Imagine what you could do, you know? And a lot of times, I stand here having had worked with a lot of students in my life, and I get these students that come back, and they're like, Phil, oh, change my life, man. Change my life. You're, I just got so much out of that. And I'm like, and I kind of interrupt, and I'm like, thank you. I love hearing that. You know what? It went both ways. Like, you changed my life. You don't even know. That's the interesting thing when you get into these relationships. Like, he writes from this perspective of I had to do more for her, and then by the end of it, he's like, she did so much for me. It's crazy how that works. So, the age gap crap. Get over it. Get over it. And just do something. And it can be something small. It doesn't have to be something huge. It doesn't have to be for a ton of people. It can be for one. It always makes a difference, though. It always does. That's all I've got for you tonight. More to life. The age gap crap. <laughs>